so I wanted to start out with a funny story, and it'll make sense as we start talking more about beer. Most of you guys know that I used to be a pretty competitive snowboarder back when I was a college student many years ago. And how many of you guys remember Mike Rosenhan? Anyone in here? A few of you guys do. Sweet. Okay. Well, Mike Rosenhan and I were going up, just the two of us one day, and it's just dumping snow. I mean, it's like a blizzard. And as we're driving up to the mountain, I tell Mike, it's really time for you to try a backflip, Mike. Because I know I'm so scared to do it, though. He skied. And I said, you've got to try it today. Look how much snow there is. There's so much snow everywhere. And he says, okay, Nate, okay. He says, I'll try backflip under one condition. That condition's that you try a double backflip. I said, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. I'm looking at the snow, and I thought, what could happen? It's just there's snow everywhere. It can't, it can't hurt me. So as we drive up, I have no fear whatsoever, right? This is so much snow. This is going to be awesome. We get up there. We build this jump, and I'm thinking, holy cow, I'm going to bust this double backflip thought about this for years. It's finally going to happen. All pumped about it. Excited, excited, excited. We get the jump built. We get the hike in built. We get the track in so it's going really fast so you can get plenty of speed. And then it hits me, right? I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do this. And the longer I stood there and waited, the worse the fear got. Isn't that true? Before you're at the, at the threshold, it doesn't scare you that bad. But then when you're there looking at the door, so to say, all of a sudden this fear starts to build. And the longer I waited, the more fear built up in me. And so that'll make sense as we keep talking. But I did finally try it, and it was a terrible crash. And I think Mike tried a backflip, and it was a terrible crash, but we had lots of fun. And we didn't get hurt at all. But I wanted to start out with that because it's a pertinent story about fear. And fear is a big issue, I think, in all of our lives. And I think it prevents us from being who God wants us to be. I was in the Middle East recently, that's what we're supposed to call it, at least because this will be on the internet, a lot of you guys know where it was, and a lot of the missionaries that are working there literally were best friends with some guys that were martyred about a year and a half ago, and it was one of the most gruesome martyrdom stories I've ever heard in my life, and in fact, I shared it at a men's retreat, so a few of you guys heard that story, it was on news, many of you probably heard it. And as we were there, we spoke with these guys, and we, we were just amazed, because we didn't know that they were connected before we went. And we asked them, how is this country going to be one for Christ? And they said, the hard ground of this country is only going to be broken up with the blood of martyrs. And me and my friend Austin are sitting there going, holy cow, like these guys, they're the missionaries. Like if somebody could kill anyone in this country, they're the guys that they want dead, you know? They don't care about just the normal Christians. They might not like that. But the people that are sharing the gospel with others in this very Muslim country are big targets. Austin and I walked away going, wow, how can these people be such fearless evangelists? How can they be such fearless Christians in a country where they're persecuted? And so that kind of started me on this process of thinking about what fears in my life do I let prevent me from becoming who God wants me to be? Because I know there are a lot of them. And I've learned to confront some fears, but there are always other fears that I haven't yet confronted. And so... I thought it would be a good topic for us to get into. In Jeremiah 46, 28, God says to his people, Fear not, for I am with you. That's a command, right? God said, Fear not, for I am with you. That's a command. If God commands you to do something, he will always empower you to obey that. Does that make sense? God's never going to say, Jake, fly. Uh, I can't fly. It's impossible for me. But he did tell us not to fear. So it's possible for me to live a life without fear. Or at least to live a life of conquering my fears. Because fears, I think, are always going to be there in some capacity. But I can live a life of conquering those fears. And I think that's what God wants for me. So what are your fears? You guys, think those through right now. 
just think about what your fears are. I'm going to list a few. These are 20 different fears that were on a whole bunch of different lists of the top 10 fears. So when you consolidate them all, there are about 20 that are on all the lists. And it goes something like this. Number one, public speaking. Number two, social interaction. So just being in groups of people and things like that. Loneliness and being alone. Rejection, failure, embarrassment, what other people think. Isn't that a big one? What do other people think of me? That can, we can all have fear about that. So what other people think. Sickness, and specifically cancer. Heights, flying, insects, especially spiders. I hate spiders. Russ knows that. I don't like spiders at all. So especially <laughs> spiders. Fear of having a panic attack is a major top ten fear, I guess. Uh, fear of having a panic attack. Claustrophobia, deep water, dogs, vomit. I don't know why that's a big fear. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Thunder, financial problems. That's a big fear right now with this economy crashing. Death and the unknown. So those are just some typical fears. And as I, as I look through that list, guys, it's probably only three or four of those that I haven't been afraid of at some point in my life. And you guys, we've all feared many things other than those. But what I kind of want you to walk away with from that is that, yeah, fear is a big issue in all of our lives. Like, we all have those fears, and they all prevent us from what we could be. So most fear is in my mind, and usually it's more destructive than the thing that I'm fearing. Russ's dad would always say 80% of your fears will never come true. It's at least 80%. It might be a lot higher. But the fear itself, guys, is oftentimes a lot more dangerous than the thing I'm fearing. Have you found that to be true? That's definitely the case. The French philosopher Montaigne said, My life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. Right? I thought up these thoughts in my head and I convinced myself that I was in danger of this huge thing and it's probably going to happen. I'm probably not going to survive. And then it blew over without any problem. So I come up with these monsters in my head and then I let them control me. That's how we all can live our lives so quickly. In Proverbs 22.13 it says, The sluggard says there is a lion outside or I will be murdered in the streets. So imagine this guy sitting in his house and he's like, I can't leave. There's a lion out there. I might get murdered or something like that. He's coming up with all these fears in his head. And then he's letting them control his life. He won't even leave the house because of it. And that's what fear can truly do to us. It can shackle us, guys. It can totally put us in bondage. So remember FDR and his wise words during the Great Depression. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The only thing to fear is fear itself. And it's so true because fear oftentimes is much more dangerous than the thing we're fearing. So most of your fears won't ever happen to you. But even if they did, guys, even if they did, you have so much more to look forward to. Guys, we have a hope that is eternal. We have a life to look forward to after this life. And that gives me confidence that no matter what fear I ever face on this planet, there's something so much greater than that fear, even if it did come true. And most likely, it won't come true. Okay? So fear encompasses two main areas. Fear of physical harm, right? Or danger of some sort. Like, I'm out camping and I'm afraid a bear is going to eat me. A guy, a guy last week that I was talking to said that his friend was camping here in Colorado. And he thought it'd be cool to sleep under the stars. And he woke up in the middle of the night getting dragged away by a bear. So he started yelling and his friend started yelling and the bear left him. That's a real physical fear that we could fear, right? So there are fears like that. I don't want to get eaten by a bear. Or I don't want to go bankrupt. Or I don't want who knows what to happen, some harm in the future. But then there are also insecurities that each of us have. Or fears of our own incompetence, inabilities, or weaknesses. Isn't that true? We think, I'm not good enough or people don't like me. I heard somebody say once, the reason people don't talk is because everybody thinks the other person doesn't like them. 
but the other person thinks that they don't like them, so that's why they never talk, because everybody has the same idea about each other. You guys, we have these insecurities that really trap us. So they're a huge issue of fear. So what has been the result of fears in your life? Think that through. At the end, I want to ask you a few questions. What has been the result of fears in your life? It's important to know that. Fear keeps us in bondage. Isn't that right? keeps us in bondage. It keeps us from growing. It destroys confidence. When I fear, I don't have confidence. I can't take steps of faith because I'm living in fear. And I'm letting fear dictate what I do. So fear destroys confidence. And this is a big thing. If we don't have a sense of self-esteem, we're never going to take steps of faith. We're never going to take the initiative. We're never going to go. We're never going to be responsible. But for us as Christians, if I had to depend on myself, it's done right there. But see, I have Christ in me. So now I can have a self-esteem based in Christ, or I can have a Christ-esteem. Does that make sense? See, in Him I'm more than a conqueror. He promises me that. In Him I'm His child. That, that gives me a lot of confidence, doesn't it? I'm more than a conqueror. Can I step out and meet this person? You bet I can step out and meet this person. I'm more than a conqueror. Can I share my faith with my professor? Absolutely. I'm more than a conqueror. Not because I'm so special, but because of Christ in me. I am more than a conqueror. So Christ-esteem is important. But fear, if I let it, will destroy that and erode it to the point where I don't trust Christ, but instead I trust myself. It's definitely not a good thing. Fear keeps us from winning. You guys ever hear of Carlos Hathcock, one of the greatest snipers in the history of the U.S. Army? I think war stories are awesome examples of conquering fear, because these guys have to deal with it every day. Carlos Hathcock was such a proficient sniper in Vietnam. He always wore a white feather in his hat. And the, the Vietnamese army, they put this huge bounty on whoever could kill Whitefeather. That's what they called him. And so all the other snipers, they all knew how important he was, so they all started wearing white feathers so that they would, in effect, take a bullet to protect this guy's life because they knew that's how important he was just as far as morale and the army and all that sort of stuff. So he was asked to take a mission that he, couldn't, he was not allowed to know about it until he was in the helicopter to the mission. But he was told he would pretty much guaranteed die. If you take this mission, you're not going to come back. You will be dead. Okay? The mission was to kill this high-up North Vietnamese official. He had to sneak for several days through grass over a couple hundred yards to get within range of this guy. And he waited till the guy came out on his balcony and he shot him. Okay? Then there was just massive panic. All these guys are like, kill that sniper, whoever just did that. And remember, they know this guy. You know? They know who they're looking for. He sat in the grass as a bamboo viper went right by him, which is extremely deadly. He was not, he couldn't move because these guys are looking for him and they would be ready to shoot him in an instant. He sat in the grass as guys were running within two feet of him to try and find and kill him. And he's in this tall grass just sitting there. It can't move a muscle, okay? And then he had to inch his way out over the next couple days. He actually survived the mission, went on to be extremely famous and one of the greatest snipers in American history. But that guy illustrates fearlessness. I'm willing to go in to do this. And he was willing to take risks, right, to win. And as Christians, we need to be willing to take risks to win. But we have to confront our fears first. So fear keeps me from being who God made me to be. In Isaiah 57.11, God says this. He says, Whom have you so dreaded and feared that you have been false to me? Whom have you so dreaded and feared that you've been false to me? And see, my fears keep me from being who God made me to be. I end up being false to God because I live in fear and I refuse to confront my fear. And that's not what God wants. So, I want to ask you another question. If you're taking notes, write this down. Who would you be if you had total victory over your fears? So, who would you be if 
you had total victory over your fears. Imagine every fear that you wrote down or thought of a minute ago. What if you had total victory over it? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't you be free to become who God wants you to be? Well, I want to talk tonight about how that can happen. How can you have victory over those fears? So what is fear robbing you of? My hope is that we could look fear in the eyes and walk through, guys. We start to feel that fear, and we have to look at it in the eyes and make a decision. Galatians 5.1 is a great verse. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So God is saying, I set you free from a lot of stuff. And specifically, also, from fear. See, he told me not to fear, so he's given me the power not to fear. And now I can choose whether I'm going to live in bondage to that fear or not. So God's plan for you. I love this verse. And Jatan and Cookie and I, we, we kept reciting this to each other in Denver on the day of faith as we are sharing our faith in Denver. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues. Okay? But get this. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Don't you want to be as bold as a lion? Don't you want to be able to look your fears in the eyes and say, Forget you fear. I am going right through. You're not stopping me. Bold as a lion. And it's because of Christ. In our walks with God, guys, how do we practically get over this? So you wrote down a few fears, you thought through that, but what fears specifically prevent me from growing in my walk with God? There are so many, guys. What does God think about me? See, if I don't know God's word very well, I can start to doubt how God views me. I can start to doubt my security. Does God hate me now? Am I going to hell now? Did God toss me out now? Have we all thought thoughts like that? Right? I used to until I saw scripture that said he holds me in his hand and nobody can snatch me out. And that I'm secure in him. As I learned God's word, those fears started to be alleviated. But those stopped me from growing for years. Because I believed these lies about God. So I had fears about how God viewed me. What about fear of man? What about insecurities that we can all have? Fear of man and insecurities go hand in hand. What do other people think about me? Do they like me? Do they not like me? Do they think I'm fat? Do they think I'm cool? Do they think I'm stupid? We all think those thoughts, and they stop us from growing, and they stop us, guys, from helping people. There was a man at one of the men's retreats, Mark, for years, I would speak at these men's retreats, and Russ had me speak a few times as a college student, and then ever since I graduated seven years ago, I've been speaking at these men's retreats. And I would see Mark all the time, and I would think, this guy does not want to hear anything from me. I assume that he thought I was just too young, and he couldn't learn anything from me. For years I thought this, and I never really took an initiative to reach out to him or invest him. And last year he comes up to me at a retreat. He goes, Nate, can I talk to you? And I thought, here it is. He's going to come up and tell me how he disagrees with me and all that stuff. I said, sure, let's talk. You know. So we sit down and we talk. He says, I just want you to know that all these years I've been watching you and your life has just been a huge example for me in following God. Do you know how I felt? All those years I was letting this stupid insecurity keep me from investing in this guy, keeping me from encouraging this guy. Isn't that terrible? But see, all along, God still used me, even though I was living in some insecurities and things like that. So insecurities and fear of man prevent us from growing. Fear of totally surrendering to God. How many of you guys have ever thought, if I totally surrender everything to God, he's going to make me be some guy that drives a Volkswagen like Russ used to think and hands out tracks on street corners? I get scared. What if I totally surrender to God? What will he make me do? That's a fear that prevents me from growing. What about a fear of saying or doing the wrong thing? You guys ever fear that? What if I say something or do something, and then people that don't know Christ, they're going to hate Christians because of me. I can have that fear. What about this, guys? What about fear of evangelism? This is huge. And I want to hit it because it's a big fear that every Christian is going to have to encounter. Sharing my faith is one of the most exciting things that God's ever gave me to do. 
I get to partner with him in sharing the greatest news the world has ever heard. And people desire to know about God. They really do. Okay? But people come up with a lot of different sayings to kind of uh, protect a fear of evangelism. And here are a few. If you've ever said these, don't get mad. But people say things like, you've got to earn the right to be heard. Have you ever heard that? I don't got to earn the right to be heard. Jesus earned the right to be heard already. He didn't tell me to earn the right. He told me to share about me, right? And my friends, if I really love them, I will share with them. Okay, what about this? They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't need to know how much I know, but they do need to know about Jesus. I don't have to earn that right. They desperately need the truth that only Jesus can offer. Does that make sense? Okay, what about this one? Preach the gospel and use words if necessary. <laughs> you guys have probably all heard that. That's actually attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and it wasn't even really his quote. <laughs> and so it's just made up by somebody. And it's totally not true, guys. We each have been given God's word, and we can each share that with the dying world around us that desperately needs it. So I wanted to just kind of sidetrack a little bit there and say, we don't have to fear evangelism. And people might not always like us. Jesus said that the world would hate us. Paul said that to some were the aroma of death, to others the aroma of life. But get this, he also said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. See, I get to share in the power of God by sharing my faith. It's so amazing. So I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for snowboarding. And this is kind of a shocker, but I was thinking, what things have impacted my life most for Christ? And in the top five things would have to be snowboarding. Okay? And the reason is, every single time I stood on top of one of those jumps looking at it, thinking, should I try a backflip? Should I try a 540? Should I try a 720? Should I try a double backflip? Every time I sat there thinking those thoughts through and being scared out of my mind to try it and having friends going, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Bad motivation. And then, <laughs> and then actually trying it and crashing and realizing I didn't die and then trying it again then trying it again, I learned to confront fears in my life. I learned to confront fears and take risks, calculated risks. And I thank God that he gave me something like snowboarding, to teach me some valuable lessons. So just a side note, you have hobbies and things you love, and I think God will use those to develop you in your walks with God. But I know for sure he used that to help me get over a lot of fears, and at least to teach me how to confront my fears head on. And I want to get much better at that, guys. So even when there is truly a reason to fear, remember Psalm 23.4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God is with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And in Psalm 18, too, it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. See, whatever fear I'm facing, guys, I have a God that's much bigger than that fear. And I can run to him, and he's my stronghold. He's my fortress. He's my salvation, no matter what that fear is. So what happens with fear? How do we get rid of it? Fear doesn't just disappear. It must be conquered by taking steps of faith. Just like when I stood at the top of these snowboard hills and thought, if I sit here longer, I'll, I'll work up the courage to do this. It's not right, guys. The longer I sat there, the more fear I had. So I finally came up with a decision. When I go snowboarding, I'm going to go up and I'm going to do the hardest thing I can do first jump of the day. So the first time I hit that jump, I'm going to do the hardest, most scary thing in my mind. Because then the rest of the day, nothing will be scary. <laughs> the rest of the day, I'm going for it. But see, that's what I learned I had to do if I wanted to confront those fears. I couldn't just wait for the fear to leave. I had to confront it head on and go through it. And when I got injured, I had another rule. Whenever I got injured, I had to get up and do whatever I did that injured me right away. Like right now, even before leaving, just do it. 
once I got a concussion on this rail, got right up, did the rail, and then went home. Started throwing up. It was not good. <laughs> but I knew, I knew I have to confront this fear now. Otherwise, next time I come up here, I'm going to be twice as scared as I was today. So I had to confront it before it became a big issue. Mark Twain said, courage isn't the absence of fear. It is the presence of fear and the will to go on. Isn't that true? So it's not like fear just disappears. But I see the fear, I realize the fear, and then I say, you know what? I'm going right through you, fear. Fear, you're not controlling me. I'm going to walk right through you right now. That's a scary step. It terrifies us. But you guys, the more we take those steps, the easier they get. So how do I take those steps? How do I truly conquer fear? If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. These are some positive steps, five key steps to being able to conquer fear in your life, whether it's an insecurity or whether it's actually a literal fear or phobia. I mean, some people are, you know, they have like phobias of watermelons and things like that. So I don't know what your fear is. It could be very rational or it could be very irrational. But whatever the fear is or whatever the fears are, I think these steps will help you conquer those fears. Okay, so here they are. I conquer fear by fearing God. Isn't that kind of peculiar? I don't think a human being can live without fear. God designed us to fear something. I can either fear other things or I can fear God. And what's cool is fearing God doesn't mean that I'm scared of God. It means that I have an awe or a reverence of God. I understand that He's God and I am not. And I think for Christians, we can call that submitting to Christ's Lordship. I realize He's Lord and I'm not Lord. I don't run my life. He runs my life. And if we've never come to that point of trusting Christ, it's saying, I've screwed up my life pretty good and I'm ready to give you control and let you take over right now. And what's great is He never hijacks my life. He doesn't pound me with a fist. He's not this judge in the sky that wants to kill me. But He's there to give me an abundant life that only He can give, that I could never achieve any other way. So as I fear God, guys, as I submit to His Lordship and authority in my life, that displaces all other fear. Literally, in Matthew 10.28, Jesus says, Don't fear man, but fear God. He ties the two together. If I'm not fearing God, I'm going to fear man. But when I start to fear God, when I realize that He's my Lord and He's bigger than anything else on this planet, what else can I fear? See, nobody else is worth fearing after that, because God is on my side. And if He is with me, who can be against me? I'm more than a conqueror in Him. So fearing God, submitting to His Lordship is key. And I want you to get this, guys. When I fear God, it is not like I'm scared of Him. In 1 John 14, it says there is no fear in love. Okay? But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So it's saying there is when you have a love relationship with God, you do not have to fear His punishment because He loves me. I'm His child. But I do at the same time have a reverence for Him knowing that He's my Lord and I live for Him, not for myself. Okay, that is one huge key to destroying fear. And this is what Proverbs says about the fear of the Lord. This is just kind of a synopsis. If you look through the book of Proverbs, it talks a lot about the fear of the Lord. And this is what it says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the source of knowledge and wisdom. It gives strong confidence. So as I fear God, I have strong confidence. How many of you guys want strong confidence? It gives and lengthens life. It gives contentment, wealth, honor. It is better than wealth. It teaches us to hate, depart from, and avoid evil. Neglecting it results in destruction. It comes by accepting His words. So as I read God's word and apply it in my life, that gives me a healthy fear of God or a healthy submission to Him. That gives me strong confidence, all that stuff. Okay, so it comes by accepting His words, seeking, understanding diligently, and looking for it as for treasure. We're told to be zealous for the fear of God and to fear God always. Now check this out. For all you guys in here, it says, 
The man who fears the Lord will be blessed. And for all you ladies in here, it says the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Isn't that good? That's good stuff. So the first step to conquering my fears is by putting my fears in the right place. Saying, I'm choosing to make you, God, the only one on this planet that I'm looking to. And at that point, everything else kind of vanishes. What can man do to me, right? So number one, I conquer fear by fearing God, submitting to his lordship. And the next step, I conquer fear by dying to myself. Or all through the word, it talks about dying to ourself. And that means basically i got this sin nature, this old flesh, and I need to get to a point where I say, okay, I'm putting that aside and I'm trusting you, God, instead of my own flesh. Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So what Paul said is, I want to I want to become like God in his death. I want to be conformed to his death. He said, basically what he meant was, I want to die to myself. I don't want this old Paul to raise up, guys, and, and take control. I want to be surrendering to Christ, but I have to die to my old self first. And what he says, guys, did you get that? When I do that, when I do die to myself, what does he say? He says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Do you think there's any fear in the power of God's resurrection? The same power that raised Christ from the dead? That same power can be in us every day. There's no fear in that power. But it comes with saying, okay, I'm, I'm through doing it my way. I'm going to die to myself. And again, like the first step, I'm going to surrender to you. So number one, fear God, surrender to him. Number two, conquer fear by dying to yourself. And then experiencing that power. Okay, retired Marine. Another Army story. Retired Marine Colonel John Ripley. He just died about a month ago. He was credited with pretty much single-handedly holding off 20,000 soldiers. Can you believe this? 20,000 soldiers. He actually had two or 300 men with him, but they were foreign fighters. They weren't Americans. They weren't trained. Nothing. He had to kind of assemble them and hold off 20,000 soldiers. Okay? You know what his orders were? Hold and die. That was the orders that he got from command. Can you imagine if somebody said, Angie, hold and die. Your orders are to die this afternoon. Can you imagine that? that those were his orders. He didn't die, and he did hold off 20,000 troops. Okay? But here's how he said he was able to accomplish that great feat. He put it like this. When you know you're not going to make it, because he'd been told, wait till you die. When you know you're not going to make it, a wonderful thing happens. You stop being cluttered by the feeling that you're going to save your butt. <laughs> okay? So he said, when I totally forget about, like, building myself up and surviving the way I am, I'm free to really be who God made me to be. I can accomplish what I need to accomplish. But I kind of have to die to myself first. Revelation 12.11 talks about each of us here. But it's talking from the perspective of eternity. So after time has ended on this earth, and God is describing each of us, okay? And this is how he put it. He put, they have conquered him, or they have conquered Satan, patterns of this world. They have conquered by the blood of the Lamb, by what Christ did for us, and by the word of their testimony, right? Us accepting what he did. And get this, for they did not cling to life even in the face of death. So basically what he's saying is we were conquerors because we accepted what Christ did and we didn't cling to our own lives. We said, you know, my life is not worth holding on to. It's worth giving to you, God, because he's going to give me something so much better afterwards. When I fully surrender to Christ and die to myself, my own hopes, my own dreams, my own ambitions and desires, and even my own life, there's nothing left to fear. I'm in his hands. And at that point, when I know I'm in his hands, no fear in the world could have power over me. I grew up all over the world, but a year was spent in Colombia. We had a street children's ministry, my family and I, my parents and I, I should say, because I was young at the time. 
And while we were there, Columbia is one of the most dangerous places on this planet. And my mom and dad would always say, if we're in God's hands, if we're in God's will, we're safer here than anybody in America. And that's true, guys. If I'm in his hands, I'm safe no matter where I'm at. Even if I'm in Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or something. See, if I'm in his hands, I'm safe. Okay, well, while we were in this very dangerous place, guys, my uncle got murdered in this nice community in Texas. So, we were in the most dangerous place in the world, pretty much, and we were all safe. And then my uncle, back in this cradle of prosperity, was murdered here in the U.S. See, my safety does not come from where I put myself. My safety comes from being in God and in His will. Okay, so the third way I conquer fear is by knowing and applying God's Word. Get this. In Joshua 1.8-9, it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That was God's command to Joshua. He said, take God's word, meditate on it, and apply it in your life. What's the very next thing he tells him? He says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So you guys, when fears are powerful in my life, I need to get in God's word more. Because God's word, and then applying God's word, gives me power over those things that I fear. I conquer fear, here's number four, by praying. Philippians 4, 6-7. This is a beautiful verse, guys. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And get this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A peace that surpasses understanding. I think about these friends of ours that are in the Middle East as missionaries. They have a peace that surpasses understanding. You look in their face and it's full of joy. Knowing that their life could end at any time, but at the same time knowing that they're in God's hands and nothing can stop Him. See, they have a peace that surpasses understanding that comes out of my life with God, and specifically out of prayer. Okay, the last way I conquer fear is by taking a step by faith in the power of the Spirit. See, I finally got to take this step, right? Here's the fear. So I've done all these other steps, which are kind of like the context, but then I need to take some action. I need to actually take the step through that fear. Okay, how many of you guys remember the ABCDs of being filled with the Spirit? Okay, A, anybody? Ask, good. B, believe, by faith, right? C, confess all known sin. D, desire him to fill and control me. Okay, and S, surrender. Okay, yeah. There it is. Okay, just a little pop quiz. But you guys got it. Russ puts it this way. If faith had a feeling, it would probably be fear. You guys got that? If faith had a feeling, it would probably be fear. See, when I see this fear, and I realize I've got to take a step of faith, I'm going to feel the fear. It's not like when I've done those other four steps, the feeling of fear goes away. I still feel that fear, right? But I have to take the step of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, not my own. You will feel that fear as you take the step, but that's how you conquer it, guys. So, what do we always say? I love to encourage you guys with this. Get yourself into a situation where if God doesn't show up, you're dead. It's kind of challenging, but it's a great way to put it, guys. Let's put ourselves in situations where if God doesn't show up, we're in big trouble. Because when I take those steps of faith, and do that with wisdom, when I take that step of faith, guys, God really does show up and fear is conquered. So I need to take that step of faith. So recapping, conquer fear by one, fearing God and submitting to His Lordship. Two, dying to myself. Three, knowing and applying His Word. Four, praying. And five, taking the step by faith in the power of His Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so God has put us in this battle right now, guys, for his purposes. And this is the greatest time in the history of the world to be alive. Let's run to the fight and fight this fight to win it. Get that? Let's run to the fight and fight this fight to win it. I'm going to give you one last story from the Army. Chesty Puller, supposedly the greatest Marine ever. And we tried this at one of the men's retreats. We had a Marine there. And I said, who's the greatest Marine ever? And he goes, Chesty Puller. Like, he kind of thought we should all know that. But anyway, Chesty Puller, supposedly the greatest Marine ever, was surrounded by literally hundreds of thousands of Chinese troops in the Chosin Reservoir. Hundreds of thousands. And completely encircled. The men are starting to be totally in fear that they will all die now. Okay? What do you think Chesty Puller says? He says, we've been looking for these guys for days. We've got them right where we want them now. There's no way they're going to get away this time. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> There's no way they're going to get away this time. And he and his men fought their way through and survived. If you fight to survive, you might survive, but you're not always going to win. You guys, if you fight to win, you're going to always survive. So let's fight to win, guys. Let's not just fight to survive. Let's fight to win taking the steps that he wants us to take. That is looking a fear in the face and going right through it, saying, I'm going to fight through this fear by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Think of all the people that the Bible talks about. Think about Daniel told that if you pray to your God, we'll throw you in the lion's den. And he says, you know what? I'm still going to pray. And he gets thrown into the lion's den, and God protects him. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the furnace, into this fiery furnace, because they wouldn't bow. They wouldn't bow down. And what does God say? He shows up in the fire with them and protects them and saves their lives. What about Esther, who said, if I perish, I perish, and then trusted God. You guys remember this story? The entire nation of Israel was about to be obliterated. And Esther says, if I perish, I perish. I'm not going to protect my life. I'm going to courageously take this step. And by doing that, she saved her entire country. This is amazing. These are stories that I want to be like that, don't you guys? I want to have that kind of courage. I want to have that kind of boldness. I don't want to live in fear. Look at Gideon, who has this huge army, and they have to go defeat the Midianites. And God says, you know, um, tell, tell some of your men to go home. And Gideon goes, uh, we need all the men we can get. God's like, no, send them home. And then God says, actually, you still have too many men. I want to send more home. And God leaves him with 300 men to defeat an entire army. Okay? And Gideon does it. He's, he trusts God. He takes a step of faith. And God comes through for him. See? He didn't live in fear. You guys, look at Peter and John. They get drugged before the court in, in Acts 4. And their lives are literally on the line. They could die. And you know what they tell these people? They're like, defend yourselves. And they're like, you killed God. <laughs> Can you believe this? They're so bold. And they're like, okay, we're going to kill you. And they're like, that's fine. And then one of the other Pharisees stands up and he's like, don't kill him. This might be from God. And then they're like, okay, well, you just can't talk about Jesus anymore. And they say, forget that. We're going we're gonna to obey God, not man. Can you believe this? I mean, they, they, just total boldness. No fear whatsoever. They're just walking straight through fear and saying, I'm going to conquer this fear and take the stand that God wants me to take. Look at Stephen. They take Stephen and they put him up in front of all these people that literally are ready to kill him. He does the same thing. He's like, was there ever a prophet that your fathers didn't try to kill? He goes, you guys are just like your fathers. And then he goes, and then the Messiah comes and you kill him too? And then they stone Stephen. The same God that lived in Stephen, the same God that lived in, in Peter and John, guys, the same God that lived in Gideon and Esther and Daniel and all these great warriors, 
faith, that same God is in us to conquer any fear that we're facing, whether it's of a sickness or height or who knows what. That same God is in me. Today, guys, thousands of people are being martyred for their faith in Christ every year. But you know what? They do it with joy. They walk into that with joy, knowing, man, my reward is so much greater than anything that I fear. We talked to this one lady that's a missionary to a lot of different countries in the Arab world. And she said the risks are greater, but the joys are so much greater here. Because we get to trust God every day. I want to live that kind of life. Guys, he is so worthy of my fearlessly led life and death even. This is something that God confronted me with over and over in the Middle East was, would you be willing not just to die, but would you be willing to give up your life for Christ? And I think I'd be willing to take a bullet. If somebody put a gun in my head and said, okay, if you say you believe in God, I'm going to kill you. I think I'd be willing to say that, but I don't know. We don't know what we do in that situation. We could rationalize. God will forgive me if I say no, right? I hope I'd say yes. But that's totally different than somebody that's willing to say, look, I'm, I'm willingly laying down my life for Christ. And God is saying, with me, you could even have that kind of courage. <laughs> we can have courage that this world does not understand. And in closing, this is what's so cool. In Acts, you know how they describe those disciples that walked with so much courage? They said, these are the men that have turned the world upside down. These are the men that have turned the world upside down. Do you guys want to be those people? you guys want to turn the world upside down? I do. But it starts with looking my fear in the eye and saying, I'm going to walk through. This fear is not going to control me. So you guys, he's so worthy. Let's live fearless lives boldly for Christ in the power of his Holy Spirit. Okay, with that being said, here are some application points that I want us to think about. Write out right now this question, and then you can think about it. What fears are keeping you in bondage? What things do you think are keeping you from being who God wants you to be? So what fears are keeping you in bondage? I'm going to say the next question. You can write that down and then you can think about it. What steps of faith do you need to take to conquer those fears? So what fears are keeping you in bondage and what steps of faith do you need to take to conquer those fears? And here's what I want you to do with that little note card. We're very focused on one-on-one discipleship or one-on-one relationships here and encouraging each other in our walks with God. So if you have somebody that is discipling you or encouraging you in your walk with God, I want you to take that card and give it to them this week and talk about it. And honestly, if you're the person doing the discipling, share your card too and talk about it. Okay? So share it with whoever it is. If you're coming here and you don't have somebody like that investing in your life, come talk to us because there are a lot of people... Uh, that would love to help encourage you in your own personal walk with God. And you could always call your pastor back home or, your, I don't know, somebody that you consider uh, somebody that could encourage you in your walk with God and go over it with them.